Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's Squiggly Career Podcast. I am Helen, and I'm here with Sarah. Hi, everyone. And we're the hosts of the podcast. I'm sure a lot of you are very familiar with us. If you're not and you're new to the podcast, then welcome. Our podcast is all about helping people to be the best at work uh, and develop the skills to succeed in a squiggly career. And squiggly careers are one that is full of opportunity. There's lots more change. There's lots more variety. There's lots more fluidity in a squiggly career. But sometimes they can feel a bit challenging. We are very familiar with that. They are often challenging for us. And this podcast is one way that we hope um, we can help you to succeed in that squiggly Glee career and it also helps us to learn all the time as well and take some of that stuff into back into our own careers and um, before we get on to this week's topic um, I just want to talk a little bit about something that's happening over on Instagram uh, very specifically on the amazing if Instagram page so at amazing if we um, well Sarah actually recorded a podcast last week with Michelle Morgan who's the founder of a business called Joys, which is a business that raises awareness of mental health and it also raises money to support people with mental health all through the medium of beautifully designed pajamas and we were running a competition to win some of these um, pjoys on instagram and the request that we had for people was to enter the competition to share one way in which they basically invest in their mental health at work and I expected a bit of engagement, but actually the engagement's been fantastic and people's suggestions about what they are doing to invest in their mental health is really, really inspiring. So even though Mental Health Awareness Week was last week, I definitely recommend hopping over to our Instagram channel and just scrolling through people's comments on that post. You can't miss the post. It's got Sarah... In pyjamas, <laughs> basically. In pyjamas. And there's only going to be one of those pictures. So. <laughs> <laughs> Unless we do some kind of pyjama party thing in the future. But right now there's only one picture. Uh, but yeah, just a couple of things to call out that I really like there's a lot of people who talk about taking walks I know that is important for you Sarah yeah, for your mental I'm, health. I'm very much in the walking gang um, and you're joined by Ink Amoka who is one of the people that talked about walks I love there's someone called Jess McKinley and she talks about uh, for her mental pavement she goes running and I love the statement she said she said I pound the pavement rather than pound my desk <laughs> I thought that was quite funny <laughs> I, think, I can't remember who it's somebody coined the phrase which I was like I'm definitely going to steal uh, well, oh, wellness well-being, walks yeah. just, well-being walk yeah, wasn't it yeah it was well-being nice. walks yeah I thought that was just really lovely Really, really lovely. So yeah, there's just lots of things there um, for inspiration for uh, mental health and things you might be able to share with other people. So I definitely suggest um, having a quick a scroll through there. But on to this week. So this week's podcast then. Today, we're going to focus on confidence. And we've done lots on confidence before. It was actually the starting point of this podcast. And we really specifically wanted to focus on something, a tool and an approach that we talk about in our um, evening courses that we run and, and the work we do with organisations, which is developing your confidence confidence support system and we want to talk a little bit about 
what a confidence support system is, uh, why you need one, particularly in the context of a squiggly career, and also some practical ideas for how you can build a confidence support system. So let's start with the first thing then. Sarah, can you help us to understand what a confidence support system is? Yeah, so I think when we think about networks and networking, we all know they're important. And we talked before about networking needs to be, I think, redefined and rebranded as people helping people. And I think actually it's really useful to think about having different types of network and kind of what you need those networks for. And so actually what a confidence support system is, is building a network of people who you give support to and the people that you get support from, all kind of in service of building self-esteem and resilience. And I think it's a two-way thing. It's sort of a two-way street, this is, because there'll be people you get support from who will help you bounce back, who'll give you that reassuring boost, who'll kind of spur you on. And you'll be doing that at the same time for other people. Sometimes those people are the same. So you're kind of giving and gaining to the same people. But often there is a difference. And there are kind of some people who you might give a lot to, but you don't necessarily get confidence back from. And then there'll be other people you get confidence from. um, And again, you don't give it back. And we we know that when you get this confidence support system right, how valuable it is, because I think, you know, as we talk about squiggly careers and we talk about all of the ups and downs, I think there just naturally is more moments where things can at times feel a bit more knotty. And I think it's in those knotty moments that you need these people around you. I don't think these support systems need to be big or unwieldy, but we do think you need to invest time in them and be really intentional about thinking about these people as being part of this support system for you. We actually used to call this confidence support speed dial, but nobody uses speed dial anymore, which makes me feel really old. Um, So we've had to sort of change the little acronym that we use for it. But think of it, even when you did have speed dial, people who, who do remember it, that was only ever four, five, six people you'd have on speed dial. And so here, I think we're thinking about a small group of very important people um, for you and your career. And I also think in the in the context of squiggly careers, sometimes you can feel a bit isolated in a squiggly career because maybe, you know, we talked previously on podcasts about people um, feeling like they haven't got a friend in the workplace mm-hmm. anymore or feeling a bit isolated or feeling like they don't belong. And all of that, I think, can mean that people are existing in their own head quite a lot. So they've got confidence gremlins. You know, we talk about confidence gremlins a lot, but they've got those kind of fears going around their head. And if you haven't actively built yourself a confidence support system that can feel quite overwhelming and that can feel quite daunting and I think it prevents you from making steps forward in a squiggly career we we talk about squiggly careers can feel great because they're full of opportunity but they can also feel a bit scary and ambiguous and I think without a confidence support system in place there is a danger that you're leaning more towards the scary side of squiggly Mm. when some of that change is happening so it's a really useful approach for you to proactively invest in in the network Sarah said but specifically the people that can help you and also the people that you can help um, with their confidence so what we're going to do is think about our confidence support system in two parts because this is how we work with people on it so we're going to try and see if it translates to a podcast without all the drawing and different things that we do but the two parts of the confidence support system are part one is thinking about who you get support from And part two is thinking about who you give support to. They are both equally important. You might think, oh, it's just, I just need to know people that I get support from, but actually having a real clarity about 
knowing that you give support to other people and that they're coming to you for that support can help you to build your self-esteem. So they're both equally important. So I'm going to start with who you get support from. The first thing that we need to do is almost get like a bit of a mind map, like literally get a piece of paper and scroll this down and think about all the different people that you get support from. They could be people at work, they could be mentors, or or maybe like you've got work friends that aren't in your current organisation. They could be personal people, maybe it's friends and family outside of work. But in the context of your career and people that help you to feel like you're best at work, think about and write down all those people that you get support from. And then once you've got those names, try to get at least five people, but just kind of write them down on a piece of paper what I want you to think about on each of those names is how often you get support from those people. So you can maybe do this as like a high, medium, low, or a weekly, monthly, like less frequently, whatever you want to do. But so in whatever way works for you, think about how frequently each of those people are giving you that support. So for example, Sarah would be one of the people that I would write down on somebody who gives me support. And I'd probably write daily <laughs> in terms of my confidence. I might say, oh, Sarah, I've got, like I probably did say earlier today, uh, I've got a presentation to do. And this is a very true story. I had a presentation to do today. I was doing it. There were a couple of things that were a bit different about that presentation that I hadn't done before. And so I sent Sarah, Sarah over what I was going to present because I was thinking a little bit oh is this going to work and Sarah just came back and was kind of like this is really good about this I've had to look at it again and would give me feedback on it so that is an example of somebody who gives me support Sarah gives it to me on a daily basis and the kind of support that Sarah gives me is she helps to critique and build and help me to be better and tells me what I do well but is also really balanced so that would be what I would write so in summary, write down. We just need to get all these people down to begin with. So you're going to write down your people. You're going to write down how frequently you're getting that support from them. And then you're also going to write down the kind of support that they give you. Because some people might challenge you. Some people might promote you. Some people might advocate. Some people might listen. They do different things. And it's useful for you to know what support you're getting from who and when. The key thing once we've got all that down is we want to make sure that you've actually got a good balance of support so it's not enough just to have that list of people and say oh brilliant I've got 10 people fine because actually there's different types of support and there's different quality of support so if I give the example of Sarah for example someone that gives me daily support so very very high frequency the advantage of that support for me is it's it's often there when I need it it's very reactive and it's really timely so that's really helpful for my confidence because if I'm having a challenging day I know I can go to Sarah but I guess the challenge back to me is I don't really give Sarah the time to really think about how she can help me because I'm always going to her oh have you got thoughts on this? What do you think? Can I do this better? And she's responding in the moment. It's different from, let's say I've got a mentor that gives me support and I meet with them on a, you know, every three months or so I might have a coffee. What I might say to them in advance is I'd really like to get your thoughts on um, how I can develop my gravitas because it's something that I'm struggling with at the moment. So I've given them a heads up so they've had time to think about it. I've also created more time for the conversation and we'll have a slightly different quality of support conversation in that. Both of the things are really important for your confidence, but you don't want everyone just to support you in the moment and have no one that can support you in a slightly more strategic, considered way. And equally, you don't just want those people who are a bit more helicopter that you're going to every three to six months and then you feel like you've got no one for the days when it's really, really tricky. What do you think your balance is like, Sarah? Well, one of the things that I think is always really interesting when we do this exercise with people is... 
actually just think about the context in terms of how people know you because I think that really matters in terms of the quality of the confidence support you get because lots of people get a lot of support from their friends so from their friends from their family and those people are brilliant because they are unwaveringly supportive they're on your side they're kind of your supporters your champions but often those people don't know your kind of world they don't know your day-to-day and so it doesn't mean that they're not part of your support system but I think they play only kind of one role in terms of what you need for your career what they play is the they're usually very good at listening they're very good at supporting they'll give you a good boost because they love you and care about you whereas actually some people who you've either worked with previously who or who know you in a work context even today you might still work with them actually those people can give you a bit more perspective they might ask you quite different questions they can actually probably just be more specific and so actually even you know a couple of weeks ago I had a bit of a moment where I was having a bit of a wobble like you do and I, I remember saying to somebody oh I'm not sure and I'm having a bit of a wobble about something and that person knows me very well and has worked with me a couple of times in my career and they could come back with kind of a very specific confidence boost around going these are two things that you're really good at Sarah and don't forget that And you're sort of losing sight of that sometimes. And it's really interesting how only somebody who'd worked very closely with me could have had that conversation. My mum can't have that conversation with me. My partner can't have that conversation with me. It's got to be people who know you really well. And I think think about people at different levels, because sometimes when we think about support systems and networks generally, I think there's an assumption that people have to be maybe more experienced or more senior. Now, those things are still are both useful, definitely, but it's useful to make sure when we're talking about balance, you're thinking about it in every way. So have you got some peers within that support system? Have you got some people who are kind of more experienced, who perhaps you, you see more occasionally? Have you got people who will bring more of a kind of challenging mindset? So just really kind of look at it from all angles and make sure you're getting all of the different things that you need and not just one sort of confidence boost, but not the other. So let's say with what we've talked about in mind, you're looking at your list and you're thinking, oh, actually, maybe I do need a little bit more of a mix in there. Maybe it's just I've got lots of people that help me on a weekly basis and they're all quite similar. The next question in terms of the quality of the support you get for your confidence becomes, well, how do I go and approach other people? How do I go and ask those people to help me with my confidence in in, in a way that's going to work for me? The first thing to know is that for you to have really helpful support from people for your confidence, what we need to do is to make sure that that is active support rather than passive support. So let me explain that a little bit. Passive support would sound like if I said to Sarah, and so this is true, I have an interview next week. And if I said to Sarah, oh, Sarah, I'm a little bit nervous about the interview I've got next week. Have you got any any thoughts for me on how I can kind of show up well? And if Sarah came back to me and said, oh, Helen, you're always brilliant. Don't worry about it. You'll be absolutely fine. It's meant with the best intent but it's not really helped my confidence. It's quite passive. So Sarah's supporting me and she believes in me, but she's given me kind of sort of low, low quality support. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. It's, it doesn't really help to build my confidence. It might help me to feel a bit better in the moment, but it doesn't really help to build my confidence. To build your confidence through support, what we need is active support. And in order for you to have active support, you've got to ask for it. So for example, if I take the same situation there with Sarah, if I said to Sarah, Sarah, I've got this interview next week. 
and I'm a little bit nervous about it, what I would really, really like to do is to talk through some of the things and the ways I'm thinking about um, answering some of the questions I think I'm going to get and get your feedback on how I'm coming across, how you think I could show up really well and what you think I do great and what you think could be even better if in a typical amazing if kind of feedback way. What I have done there is I've made Sarah's support for me much more active. She's much more likely to say, Helen, the things you're doing brilliantly are this, this and this. And one thing you could do even better is this. My confidence would be far more strengthened by that sort of support. But it takes me asking for it. So just to summarise that a bit, because I talked around it a little bit, we want to have active over passive support. In order to do that, you need to be specific about the help that you need. And if you're still thinking, oh, I don't know how to do that, in the resources, we'll point you to um, a really good Harvard Business Review article, which has some more tips about how you can ask for help. And also it talks a bit about from the helper's perspective, what it means to them to be asked for help. So if you'd like a little bit more on, oh, I think I need to just think through a little bit about how I might approach this, that Harvard Business Review article is a really good one to go to. And my only other comment on that would be, don't forget people like helping people. You know, sometimes it feels like you're a bit of a drain on them or you get a bit nervous about asking people. In my experience, when people talk about the favourite part of their day, favourite part of their week, it's often when they've been able to help someone else because you feel like you've had a really positive impact. So don't let a kind of fear of or not wanting to ask because you, you worry about their time or whether they'll be able to stop you looking for this active support just remember most people enjoy it and my last tip on building a confidence support system in terms of who you're getting support from is to make sure that you invest in those relationships maybe before during and after you need them um so these people are going to be really important to you whether it's the people that are daily weekly or the people that are kind of less frequently you don't want the only time you engage with them to be when you're when you're asking for that help so you want to invest in the relationship beforehand you want to acknowledge say thank you that's what we mean by that just say thank you Sarah for giving me that support I feel so much more confident going into my interview I really appreciate your time and your thoughts that is all it takes but you really want to protect and nurture and invest in those relationships so go back to that original list that you've written down where you've got the people and the frequency and the type of support Think about who are the most important five people in that list for you in your career in the next six months. Like think about what are the challenges you've got coming forward and who are the five people on your list who are going to be the most important for you in terms of your confidence and your support. And go out of your way to invest in those relationships, whether it's saying thank you, just getting in touch with them to say um, you'd like to catch up, you really appreciated the last time you met, whatever it is, but just start to think about how you're nurturing those relationships and not just needing them. And for me on this one, the other thing that happened to me, which I very much learned from, if those relationships are really important to you, spot any changes to those relationships um, that might happen that's kind of outside of your control. So specifically for me, somebody who was sort of in my confidence support system moved to work for a different part of the company that we were in in a different geographical location. And actually, I'd underappreciated the impact it was going to have by this person not being around, like physically around to work with day to day, week to week. And he was somebody who I saw a lot. He was definitely in my support system. And I really felt it. I really felt Mm -hmm. it when he wasn't there. And so what I realised I needed to do, and if I'd been more proactive that time around... Obviously, he's not going to stay just for me (laughs) as much as I would like to think that. But actually knowing that and thinking, 
okay, so maybe I need to change the nature of how I like interact with that person because clearly they have been really pivotal to me. So either it might be then you go, oh, every couple of weeks, shall we arrange to have a quick phone call? Or should we do a video conference? Or should we try and meet halfway and catch up for a coffee? Or the, it might be sometimes that realistically, it means that those people aren't able to give you the confidence kind of boost and resilience that they once were able to. That's also the nature of this support system. It is dynamic and it will move. And it's almost spotting those changes and then making sure you fill those gaps. Because actually, again, the reality for me with that person was they weren't able to be as part of my support system, play the same role that they had previously, because part of it was also based on proximity. And that proximity mm. had changed. And then that's okay, because then you still get support from them. But back to kind of Helen's original point around frequency, it starts to become perhaps more every three months, every four months. And then you suddenly know you've got a gap of, okay, well, who's in my peer network who can help me fill that role instead? So I think just think about this as being something that is constantly changing and shifting and spot kind of when those things change and think about what you're going to do about it. I've really noticed that actually when either in organisation my manager's moved on or I've moved on from the organisation where I've had relationships with managers that have really helped me to feel that I'm doing a great job and that I'm adding value and quashing any confidence gremlins and something's changed then I've definitely felt that gap. Mm. And actually what I should have done is known that that was going to happen because I should have identified that they were so important to my support system and found some proactive way to mitigate it so the manager becomes a mentor. And to your point, you might meet with them less frequently, but you still find a way to maintain that support relationship. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So let's move on now to who you give support to. So kind of the second part of thinking about this support system, because there'll already be lots and lots of people where you're kind of playing this role that we've just described for them. So the first thing that we want you to do on this is you've already hopefully written down the list of the people that you get support from. We want you to do kind of the other side of that list and write down all of the list of the names of people you give support to and just take a moment to compare and contrast. When we uh, do this exercise in workshops, often that's a bit of a reflection moment for people when they realise that actually they may be giving 
twice as much support to people as they're actually getting or perhaps they're not perhaps they are quite balanced and that feels good and it feels like it's in a good place but it's quite good to just compare and contrast and just work out today what people are you giving support to and go back to that point about and how frequently because that's also really important in terms of your time and the time it's taking up so that's the first action the second thing then when you thinking about how you're supporting those people the thing you want to be doing is creating empowerment and not dependency and the reason this is important is because you want to help people to help themselves and you don't basically want to be somebody where people are just there's a big difference I think between like venting you know sometimes Mm. you definitely do just need to vent and that's absolutely fine but that's different to being in somebody's confidence support system because the venting is more like a listening and you just people just let it out essentially and whereas here I think what your role is and the thing that you can practice is actually can you help people by asking them really good questions can you help people by also thinking about who else could support them you know sometimes there's a tendency I think to think that you're the only person that can help And usually it's because those people are very helpful and they naturally have a very kind of empathetic and caring nature. But I think you can get into a trap sometimes. And I see it with certain people who are usually very lovely and very nice people where so many people are coming to them for support. And actually, there's almost this dependent nature. And actually, those people are not almost getting any more confident. They're just doing that more you're having to absorb a lot and they're not necessarily getting to a better place. So though it might feel hard particularly if this is you and you're thinking yeah that sounds a bit like me transitioning from dependent relationships to ones which are empowering will feel hard because at the moment probably in that moment of where you're giving support it feels quite good it feels like you're being really helpful whereas actually if you start to maybe ask some questions suggest other people who people might want to chat to in that particular moment, you know, it might feel a bit like, oh, but I'm not solving it in the here and now, which means we get less of a kind of dopamine hit to our self-esteem and what we feel like. But it's knowing and having the confidence that in the medium and long term that will help somebody more. I've thought I've definitely been in this situation before because um, as a manager, particularly when people have come to me for advice and help, I've definitely had that reward of, oh, yeah, sure, I'll help you and I'll help you to do it. But um, what I realised that I was doing was falling into the the parent-adult-child trap, which some of you might be aware of. The the theorist behind this guy called Eric Byrne and he did loads of stuff on transactional analysis if you want to get into it. We'll we'll link to it if it's interesting for you. Also, Coaching for Toads, one of my favourite books. Uh, We'll we'll link to both of those things because it is a different different podcast in of itself so we yes. can do it now but I realized that I was acting a bit like a mother hen is probably the way that I would interpret that because I liked to help people and to Sarah's point it felt rewarding but all I was doing was creating the situation where they kept coming back to me kept coming back to the mother hen for more and more support and more and more advice because actually finding ways for them to help themselves just didn't feel as rewarding for me and felt a bit harder but that would have been better for them and when I when I realized that when I sort of saw mother hen in motion I was like oh you need to stop this you need to do the harder thing for them and for you in the short term but the thing that's better for them so ask more questions find other people to them to go to take a bit of a step back create maybe a little bit of distance so that they're not immediately always coming to you feels hard it is much better for them than you creating a dependent relationship because if that's what you do when you move on to your next role in your squiggly career they feel lost because you've you've moved on and they've not got that regular daily weekly support that you were providing to them because you had the proximity perhaps in the role that you were in 
And so that links really nicely to the third action, which is about structuring your support time. So if you are someone who is giving quite a lot of support at the moment and that feels maybe quite constant, quite ad hoc, you're never sure when to expect it, it's worth sometimes thinking about can you structure your time in a way where you can give that support in a way that's a bit more predictable and probably useful for you in terms of when you're dedicating your time to this. Now, I think if this is friends, it's slightly different because obviously with a friend, you're not going to go like, sorry, can't help right now. I've only, <laughs> I've only got Friday mornings available for helping. Um, so I think that's... Don't do that to me, Sarah. Yeah, that's a, very, that's a very different kind of scenario. But I think if you're managing people or or you feel like within your peer group, you do tend to be often a, you know, a person at work people come to for support. Things that I've done that have been really helpful is... I offer everybody at the company that I work for coaching sessions every couple of months. And initially when I did that, I just was like, oh, anyone can book in a coaching session with me whenever. And then that means that that's really sporadic. You never quite know when it's going to happen. Whereas now I actually do it so that it's half a day a month or half a day every other month. And so it's predictable. I know that it's coming and I feel like I've given that supports people who've needed it and they've been active in terms of coming to me and say yeah I'd like to kind of book one of those slots I also find that quite a lot of people will come to me and ask for just like chats over coffee and they're clearly looking for like some support no one just goes let's have a chat over coffee because everything's great (laughs) like being honest (laughs) that just never happens um and that's work that's people I've worked with in the past people who know us through amazing if just going oh I'd really appreciate a coffee for half an hour And I always tried to say yes to those if I can, but I often ended up feeling like they were kind of punctuating my days. Um, It wasn't a very efficient use of my time. And I'd maybe trying to switch from doing one mindset of maybe writing a presentation to then suddenly being in kind of support mode. And I personally find it easier to give support almost when I feel like I'm in the kind of support listening mindset where I, I will almost kind of switch on to the, what are the skills I really need to make sure I'm thinking about when I'm doing that. So really active listening, asking really insightful questions, helping people to help themselves. And it's kind of a, I'm sort of very proactive in doing that. And again, now I actually, in my diary, have days where I will place myself in somewhere where I know is conducive to having those kind of chats. And then when people ask me now, when I'm diarising things, I'm literally like, oh, this is like a coffee day and everything goes Mm -hmm. into the coffee day. And that has worked for me really well. So everything will work differently depending on how you like to work. But if you can, I think just putting a bit of a structure around your support time will be both better for you because then you can be really thoughtful about making sure that that support time is you at your best and really useful for other people as well. I really like that idea about, because you talked about about structuring, but just thinking about what does great support look like for mm. you and that you know the, the listening, the questions, the way you give the support, the time you give it, I think... It's so rewarding when you know that you have done something that's helped other people to be the best. And so making the time for them and making sure that you're investing in the skills of doing that well, um, listening and questioning rather than maybe telling all the time is just a, 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 a useful thing for people to think about. And then our last action, um, action four, is about matching your strengths with what you're giving support on. So it's useful to have a think about what are all the things that people ask you for support with and how consistent are those things with your strengths and generally what kind of topics are people coming to you on. And it's a real win-win if people are coming to you for support on the things that are your strengths because it means it gives you an opportunity to use your strengths more, to build your strengths in different contexts. Usually you enjoy it because usually people enjoy kind of using their strengths and it's almost it's a chance for you to make those strengths kind of even stronger and become what we often term kind of super strengths. Now, if when you look at actually what you're being asked for support on, 
isn't linked to those strengths, that's when you, I think, can start to think about, okay, well, am I the right person to help you with this thing? And actually, I've gotten much more confident over the last few years when people are asking me for support on things. If it's something where I genuinely don't think I'm the right person, I think it's okay to say that. I actually do go back to some people on some kind of topics or areas and say, oh, I'm actually not sure I would be the best person to support you with this thing, but can I recommend this person? Or I might as well have an initial chat with somebody to do a bit more fact-finding and to understand something a little bit more and then point people in a different direction if it feels quite far from an area that I've got real expertise in or it felt quite far from my strengths. So I think just having that lens on your strengths and the support you're giving and bringing those two things together can be really helpful. Other than careers, Sarah, what do you think people come to you for support on? Other than careers, um, I think people come to me for support because I'm a woman. So um, female leadership, succeeding like in spite of or because of your gender, however we want to think about it. Um, And I think the other thing people talk to me about is working in different types of organisations. So because I've worked in very, very big organisations for the majority of my career, and started a very small company, which is ours, and I now work in a scaling up company, people find that really interesting, that you've been in very different situations and led in different situations. And then the last thing is, because I talk now more openly about being an introvert, people come for me for support on how to succeed as an introvert, not feel like you have to display extrovert tendencies or kind of not be yourself and still sort of be successful um, in inverted brackets, whatever success looks like to you. Mm. So I would say it's probably those four areas and they're all four areas I care a lot about and really passionate about. But there would be some of those where I would pick and choose where I think I'd be most useful. So within female leadership, I certainly have a perspective and I I would definitely have some things to contribute, but I would recognise there would be lots of other people who would be um, mm. brilliant at that, would probably have more experience, more knowledge. And so I, I, I would always hope if that was something that people wanted to talk to me about, I'd almost be encouraging people to get lots of different points of view and perspectives. Whereas actually, if it was more about introvert, again, I'm definitely an introvert, but there are people who are much more introverted in their tendencies than me. So again, I try to connect exactly what that person means, the kind of nuances of that, because sometimes these labels about being a female leader or being an introvert are so broad that then, you know, I've talked to somebody recently who was an introvert who was so much more introverted than me that I genuinely thought, I don't think I'm the right person actually for you to talk to. I think I can be a starting point, but then you need some support from some people who will have experienced challenges that feel resonate with you much more strongly. What about you? Yeah, I was thinking, I think that people come to me, aside from the career stuff, um, I'm getting more and more people, I've had a chat with someone today, lovely person, about scaling businesses, which I kind of think is funny because I just feel like ours is scaled really organically and we just sort of like go, hmm, does this feel like it helps make work better for everyone? And do we care about it? And would we enjoy doing it? Yes, that's normally my Sarah and I's approach to, <laughs> to, to scaling. There's, there's, there Don't is a lot. Everyone. Just, I know, yeah, I said, there is just, thought behind it. There was like it, an but... amazing scaling plan that we did. <laughs> We, yeah, we basically just really care about what we do and try and do as much of it as possible. It's part of sort of our scaling plans. Generally, the <laughs> equals conclusion our plan. of... <laughs> yeah, equals our plans. It's normally a conclusion of me giving advice to someone for half an hour. So so that, a um, bit about side projects, a couple uh, of people yeah, come to like, how yeah. to start side projects along work, I get that, but... Flexibility, and, do people talk to you about flexibility? Yeah, they do, they do. Um, 
I actually think there are other people that I point them to. Right. Yeah. Um, so I definitely, I, I almost say, oh, I know these people, and this is what I've learned from doing the, like the new work last year. But I know so many other people because flexibility is, I always call it like flavors of flexibility. There's so many different elements to it. I, that's probably one actually. That and you know what, marketing, ironically, <laughs> given that I spent quite a lot of my career in it, is um, it's probably one that I say, do you know what? If you want to know about digital, like I don't know, whatever, or social ads or whatever, I, you know, I've done it in the round, but I, I didn't do it every day so I could probably find someone who's a bit more of a knowledge expert than me yeah so yeah I would say those ones I think it is a really useful thing to reflect on what are people coming to you for is it something that helps you to demonstrate and develop your strengths or is it something that you think you could help to connect them to somebody else it's still a positive thing I think to make that connection with somebody else but for that high quality of support the bit that you talked about previously like you're not going to know everything you're not going to be the best person to give this support to everybody So that's everything for this week. So slightly less research-led than, than usual. I know. Um, and a bit more of us testing out some of the content that we do in our workshops as a podcast. So let us know what you think. And did you find that useful? Could you follow it? Did it all make sense? There are still some useful resources and they're all over on our website, just amazingif.com. And you'll be able to download all of those. Please continue to um, get in touch with us if you've got ideas for topics that you'd like us to cover on the podcast. Honestly, there are a couple of people who I know now who basically just send me their wish list. They're like, these are things I'm struggling <laughs> with at work. Can you just make sure you cover them? I've got two people who do that who I know really well who um, basically will WhatsApp me and say, have you done one on this? If not, can you just make sure you do it quite soon? Because I think it'd really help me. I'm like, brilliant. That's If that's the way we get recommendations, that's great. On the um, have you done one on this thing, so Sarah and I use an, an app called overcast so there are lots of apps that you can listen to podcasts on and you know generally i listen to them on itunes but the app overcast has got a really good search functionality yeah. so if you're thinking oh have they done one on that's networking? how i search for our own podcast that i can't remember <laughs> sometimes when we're doing the episodes we're like have we done one on confidence and we go in and like yes we've done 10 but no but if you're thinking oh i'd really like one on um body language is a topic we covered recently or introvert and extrovert whatever it is overcast is probably the easiest way of seeing of the i think this is a, i think this might be episode 83 this one but of the 83 episodes that we've done have we covered the topic that you're interested in and if you're looking for the podcast on networking so you've listened to this and thought this has been useful i actually need to think about my network more generally that is podcast 22 because we did search for that before we started <laughs> on Overcast. <laughs> and for everybody who continues to rate, recommend and share the podcast, some of you will have seen, if you do follow us on Instagram, the podcast was actually featured in Marie Claire in um, the June edition of Marie Claire is like a podcast to listen to as part of one of their features they were doing on work, uh, which we're really proud of. So hopefully that means it will reach even more people. And before we go on to tell you about what we're going to be covering on the podcast next week, just wanted to let you know that we will be running our evening courses um, next month. So on the June the 3rd, we've got a course on strengths, which is going to be running in London. It's also going to be running in Amsterdam on the same day. So we've got Joe and Reese, our team in Amsterdam. They're going to be running that course there. And then I will be running the course in London. Our evening courses, they're 90 minutes long. They are super actionable. They're pretty fast paced. We try to do it on the first Monday of every month as a way of kind of starting your so if you want to see Amazing If in action and maybe you've never done that and you're in London or Amsterdam to get yourself tickets then just head over to amazingif.com look at the courses and you'll find them all there we would love to see you we've only got a couple left for London and we've got a few more for Amsterdam so I'd get booking quick if it's something that you fancy 
And we do know there'll be loads of people listening to podcasts who are not in either of those places. Um, and I'm always really mindful of not being like very London centric, not coming from London. E- neither of us come from London ourselves. Both of us have spent lots of our careers working outside of London. We are doing our best to figure out a how we can start to do some of our workshops in person outside of London, but also what we can do online. So we are in the case with that. So hopefully coming soon. And uh, next week, we're going to be talking about how to coach yourself. So one of the things that um, I'm always really aware of is that often coaching is only available to a few people, if anyone, within organisations. It's often considered to be a really big investment. And one of the things that we're both really passionate about is how do you democratise coaching for everyone? So we're going to kind of take the first step of that and cover how we've both trained as professional uh, coaches and do career coaching, how you can take some of the skills that we've learned to coach yourself. So you don't need people like us. You can just listen to a podcast for free um, and at least get started. And that's something that we're going to continue to explore, certainly from September onwards this year. But for now, that's everything. Thank you so much for listening and we'll speak to you again next week. Bye for now. Bye. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.